0: Hello, my Rebels. I've got a compendium of stories for you today. They—they uh, they There are different aspects of the lockdown. They might seem unrelated, but I have a common theme. And that is the virus isn't destroying our society. But the lockdowns are because they're destroying our bonds of friendship and neighborliness. And I think that's one of the worst things about it. I'll give you these examples and I'll, and I'll read some news clippings and I'll show you some things. I find it upsetting. Before I do it, that may I invite you to become a Rebel News Plus subscriber. It's eight bucks a month, which frankly is cheaper than any of the Netflix or Amazon Primes or the other services out there. And I really think it's the only place to get the other side of the story in Canada these days. And I hope you find it worth the eight bucks a month. And actually, you can get even a discount if you buy a whole year in advance. It's only eighty bucks. You can do that at rebelnews.com, just click subscribe. It's the video version of this podcast. You get three other weekly shows, Sheila Gunn-Reed, David Menzies, Andrew Chapados. I hope you find them enjoyable. We put a lot of effort into the video side, but also it's a way for you to support us because we don't take any money from Trudeau. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, a few examples of how the lockdowns, not the virus, are destroying our society. It's February 19th, and this is The Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail why? when you're a biggest carbon why? consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it, is because it's my bloody right to do so. The COVID-19 virus has not destroyed our society. It has been named as the cause of death for 21,000 Canadians, though there is reason to doubt that all of those people died from the virus as opposed to dying from another cause, but also having the virus at the time of death. If you look at how the statistics are compiled, it raises real questions about the accuracy of that number. And then there's the unusual fact that the public health authorities have just Claim that there simply has been no flu this year, which would be an unusual miracle, wouldn't it be? Except that it leads me to wonder if flu cases, which are another form of coronavirus, if they're just being called COVID-19 cases. But 21,000 deaths over a year in a country as large as ours, over 37 million people, and the average age of death is 82, and the average victim has three serious underlying health conditions to begin with. That is not the destruction of our society. It is sad for each of those 21,000 people and their families, but it is also true that they were in the sunset of life and had already contracted very serious illnesses. Again, I don't for a moment downplay the loss of even a single life, but this pandemic has not destroyed us. But the lockdown is. Two weeks to flatten the curve, they said. That would be a speed bump on the road, but we're coming up on a year now. The lockdown is there for its own sake now. It's a worldview now. It's a philosophy. I think it's a superstition for a lot of people. It's an ideology. I showed you this brutal and factually false ad from the British Home Office yesterday, glorifying police brutality, terrifying innocent citizens, criminalizing basic acts of family and community, like a baby shower, falsely claiming that it is simply illegal to meet other humans. But like I say, that's the purest expression of lockdownism. In that way, the ad was perfect. It's a crypto religion. It's a way to signal your virtue, your holiness. Are you a one masker? Well, I'm a two masker. I'm better than you. Oh, you're a two masker? Yeah, I used to be. Now I'm a three masker. That's not science. That's a fetish. You see it in people who don't have other strong belief systems it becomes their belief system how else do you describe the kind of personal misconduct minor misconduct but you know things people remember when they go home every day Um, just between ordinary people who used to say hello hi friendly Uh, what would make us treat each other this way
1: say cheese you're in Costco not wearing your mask refusing to wear your mask and here's her mother. Yes, here's my
0: mother. Shame me like an ass. Get
2: out of here.
1: Can you call your manager? Sorry? Can you call her ma- your manager? Yes. Do I call my manager?
2: He's taking pictures of me
0: because I have a play for the I haven't had a moment to put my mask on. You can put it on right now, ma'am. You're shaming me. I'm not going to do that for you. You should be ashamed. I'll do that when I'm ready to do You should be ashamed. You're ridiculous to shame people. Don't you have anything better
1: to do? No, not right now I don't. Do you understand science? Science? science. Maybe better than you do. Maybe. Are Apparently, I'm the one protecting other people by wearing a mask. Okay. Are you? Well, great. Yeah. Pull out, pull out your ID. I want to see... I want to see your credentials. Pull them out. If you're a doctor, let's see them. You're about to be escorted out of the store if you don't put in your mask. I'll wait till he tell I see. You've already been told multiple times to put on your mask uh, I mean, by me and employees. I know.
0: I know. You're such a good boy with your mask.
1: Thank you very much. Such a good boy. I try. I take my my health and the health of others very seriously. That's why you have masks
0: on. Good. I take mine very seriously.
1: Yeah. And you know nothing about me.
0: Okay. And you know nothing about me. Well,
1: you, kn- so you can have fun with it. What you know about me, ma'am, is that I'm wearing my mask. It's Costco company policy that everyone wear a mask in the store.
0: What's that? What's happened to us? We're in a snitch culture now. It's, it's cruelty. It's unneighborly. It's not the virus anymore. The virus is plunging. Uh, here's the latest Ontario hospitalization stats. Down by 60% in the past month. With no vaccines, by the way. Uh, the cases in intensive care have fallen to just 269 in the whole province. There are nearly 500 hospitals in Ontario, so each ICU patient has two whole hospitals to themselves. Look, the pandemic is over in any substantial way. So the lockdown must get more extreme to compensate. The lockdown must become the purpose in itself, the news in itself, and violators are the new enemy, not the virus. I remember in the early days, people said it was like a war against an invisible enemy. Trump used that language, too. It was interesting. Now, the invisible enemy, he meant the virus. But the virus is more or less vanquished everywhere. I mean, vaccines are not. So now we need a new enemy, one that we can see. People not wearing masks, that's who. People who defy the politicians, that's who. People who dare to believe in other ideologies, that's why they hate churches so much. They actually have something else to believe in over lockdownism. Let me do a roundup of things that are shocking or should be, but are just spoken casually about now. It's nuts, but that's lockdownism. Look at this. Hinshaw calls Alberta pastor jailed for breaking COVID-19 rules a rare incident. Now, you might be thinking, she's on the defensive. She's saying that arresting and jailing pastors is a rare incident. She's saying she won't do that very often. But no, no, incredibly, this Media Party article frames her as the normal one, And she's sort of defending Christians, oh, don't hate them all. Here, let me read, I'll prove it to you. Alberta's chief medical officer of health said Thursday, the actions of one pastor or one church do not reflect all Albertans or all faith communities. What? What? Hey, guys, I just arrested a pastor, but please don't hate all pastors. They're not all like this guy. That's how she framed this. That's how the media framed this. I'll read more. Dr. Dina Hinshaw was addressing a situation with Grace Life Church outside Edmonton, whose pastor remains in custody after being arrested and refusing to comply with bail conditions for his release. For months, Alberta Health Services has attempted to proactively work with this church through education and conversations to make sure church leadership understood the health measures in place and the rationale behind them, she said. Hey guys, don't you understand? I mean... It might look like we've jailed a pastor like China does, like the Soviet Union used to do, like Hitler did, like the Roman Empire did. Sure, it looks that way, but you're thinking about this wrong. We are having education and conversations with him, and he has to understand. So we're re-educating him, and as soon as he agrees to be re-educated, we'll let him free. In the Soviet Union, they had no crime, you see. It was just people who were mentally ill. They just need to be corrected. They have to be cured of their bad ideas, whether their bad idea was robbery or capitalism or democracy, whatever. I shouldn't make a joke about it, but it makes me think of this uh, clip from a TV show with Fred Armisen.
2: Now imagine you're holding coffee. This is outrageous. Where are the armed men who come in to take the protesters away? Where are they? This kind of behavior is never tolerated in Boracqua. You shout like that, they, they put you in jail right away. No trial, no, no nothing. Journalists, we have a special jail for journalists. You're stealing, right to jail. You're playing music too loud, right to jail, right away. You're driving too fast, jail. Slow, jail. You're charging too high prices for uh, sweaters, glasses. you write right to jail. You undercook fish, believe it or not, jail. You overcook chicken, also jail. Undercook, overcook. You make an appointment with a dentist and you don't show up, believe it or not, jail, right away. We have the best patients in the world because of jail so yeah uh, you know the
0: pastor just did it wrong so straight to jail these attempts let me read it. this is from the story uh, these attempts to reach out and provide support and education were not successful in bringing the church into alignment with COVID-19 prevention requirements hey guys straight to jail until you are properly aligned we'll keep having this conversation till you're properly aligned And that's normal. And the media reported that and no one batted an eye. The pastor is in solitary confinement in the maximum security Edmonton Remand Center. And hey guys, we're just having a conversation with him, just educating him. Here's a story about some doctors and nurses who need to be educated about the lockdowns. They think that the cure is worse than the disease, that the lockdowns are actually causing more harm. And, um, you know, Their own regulators are saying, shut up, they explain. Remember when that was a thing for the left? Evil Stephen Harper telling scientists to be quiet. He's gagging them. Uh, I'll read a bit. As a BC doctor and registered nurse get set to speak at a Vancouver freedom rally, they put that in quotes because they don't believe it's a freedom rally, this weekend their regulatory colleges say health professionals have a duty not to encourage people to violate Public health advice on COVID-19, they're being threatened. And the CBC, which ran dozens of Harper is gagging us stories 10 years ago, they couldn't be happier about the censorship now. They actually link to this statement by a federal consortium of provincial medical regulators, the physicians and public statements. This is their policy on it. Physicians hold a unique position of trust with the public. They must not make comments or provide advice that encourages the public to act contrary to public health orders and recommendations. Physicians must be guided by the laws, code of ethics, and professional conduct, or regulatory standards when offering these opinions. But actually, that's not quite true, is it? Physicians work for patients, um, not for politicians. A public health order is not a medical diagnosis. The phrase, doctor's orders, that's not actually an order, right? It's advice, no more cheesecake for you. Cut back on the drinking, doctor's orders, but, but it's really doctor's advice, right? Only a politician can make an order, and, and those public health orders are not medical diagnoses or, or prescriptions, are they? A public health order is not a medical order, um, it's just a political expression. This is the conscripting of doctors to make them repeat what the politicians have to say. That's obviously illegal and unconstitutional and against their own freedom of conscience, but the CBC couldn't be happier with this. I mean, this is the result of a public health order. Apology sought after a woman kicked out of a New Brunswick hospital for holding husband's hand. I had to make sure the apology sought was not the nursing home demanding that the couple apologize to them. That's how that Alberta pastor case was framed, wasn't it? Hey, guys, don't hate all pastors. It's just this guy. I'll read it. A Riverview, New Brunswick woman wants an apology after her mother was escorted out of a hospital by security for holding her father's hand. Kim Cravatton says her father, Kendall Terrace, has Alzheimer's and is living at the Moncton Hospital waiting for a nursing home bed. She says the 82-year-old speaks very little and communicates best by touch. But COVID-19 restrictions at the hospital prohibit contact between patients and visitors. Grevitin says the incident occurred a few days after Christmas and there was no need for security guards to escort her mother out of the building for touching the elderly man. Yeah, they deserved it. Follow those public health orders. Hey, doctors, how dare you, how dare you contradict this public health order? You know, I've talked about some some substantive problems here, some police problems, some laws and rules, but mainly the story here is how we have been turned against each other, how politeness and courtesy and friendship and harmony and community and norms have all been destroyed, not by the virus, but by the politicians and their lockdowns. The virus is gone, as good as gone. It'll never be completely gone. The flu virus comes back every year kills thousands, but that's life. The tyranny for which the virus provided the excuse, I regret that will be with us for quite a while, and it will be quite a lot deadlier, and those who survive it will be miserable still. Stay with us for more. Bill Gates wants to tell you how to live in so many ways. He's not a doctor, he's not a climatologist, he's not a virologist. The guy made, speaking of viruses, I mean, he made uh, Microsoft one of the virus-prone computers out there. Um, But boy, he wants to tell you how to live. I don't know why he doesn't just retire and enjoy his, what, $130 billion. He's all over the place commanding mandatory vaccination with no liability to the company. So I find it odd, but he also has bizarre environmental views. Here's a tweet that I dug up from the past. It's so gross. I warn you in advance. Ugh, I can't even read it without gagging. I'll just let you read that yourself. I just literally that reading those words will make me gag out loud. I'm sorry, that's just super gross. Uh, But Bill Gates, I, I think when you have that much money you want to transform yourself into some sort of messiah, some sort of guru? I don't know, uh, because Bill Gates is telling us how to live in a lot of different ways. He has become one of the largest landowners in America of agricultural land, and yet he's investing in artificial meat, saying that humans will soon love synthetic meat. That's not going to make me wretch the same way as his poop tweet did, but it's pretty gro- gross. gross. And now he has a new book out called How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. Is there anything that Bill Gates doesn't want to tell us how to live our life to? I suppose when you're that rich, no one around you dares say no. They're just enablers. Joining us now is a man who does say no, including to the powerful. He's our friend Mark Morano, and he's the boss of Climate Mark, great to see you. I'm sorry, I was having a bit of a hard time reading those tweets from Bill Gates about poop yeah. and artificial meat. What do you make of it all?
2: Well, this is interesting. Now, Bill Gates' his new book is out. <coughs> he actually talks about forcing us to change our diets through regulation. and he, Any he comments, and I think it was an interview with CBS News, that we'll get used to the taste difference as we eat these processed, you know, vegetable burgers that are allegedly like meat. Now, his World Economic Forum closely aligned with Bill Gates. They're arguing for printed meat uh, that you can just print up, you know, pounds of meat a day, uh, and then you know it the same consistency. You know, get used to the taste. And a lot of these have 22 plus ingredients, and they're all kinds of weird vegetable oils mixed together with art, with flavorings. I mean, uh, and then some of the reviews are, uh, and this is even on CNN. They're not they're not nutritious. You're better off with a you know a salmon burger or a, a low fat burger, and They have no, this is, all those people out there worry about organic stuff. I mean, these are a lot of different processed food. If you're curious about buying directly, eating from the earth, which a lot of you think of a lot of the climate alarmists and climate campaigners would be. So it makes no sense. Now, in terms of his poop, drinking the poop, this, if you isolate what Bill Gates was saying, it's in Senegal and it's some processing plant. And the idea is people get all sorts of diarrhea and illnesses from you know, contaminated water. And this is a way to get sort of the sewage and make it drinkable. I don't, you know, this was, you know, now years ago. I haven't seen an update. I don't know how successful this is. Um, But interestingly enough, I I, there's a guy a few years before this that was claiming that he could make a poop burger. So this is not an isolation, Bill Gates. And they're actually talking about all these burgers. They actually did a YouTube video and then other people said it was a hoax. But after now seeing Bill Gates brag about drinking poop water, why would a poop burger be a hoax. And if the World Economic Forum is counting printed meat, who knows what we can believe anymore. Now the new slogan of the World Economic Forum with Bill Gates is to be, you'll own nothing, be happy, eat poop burgers and drink poop water. I think that's their new modified slogan.
0: You know, it, I'm sorry. I, I don't know why I'm being so sensitive this now. I just, I, I think maybe it's because for the first time ever, I think they actually mean it.
2: Oh, they it's, mean it. <laughs> and so I'm,
0: I'm taking it yeah. perhaps more seriously rather than just some elementary school boys having a gross-out contest, each one trying to outgross the other, or, you know,
2: those comedians telling the aristocrats joke. Um, Well, I I want to say one thing. It's also insects. World Economic Forum and the climate campaigners are all pushing eating insects to save the earth. And, I mean, that is actually the real push immediately. They've even got Hollywood celebrities like Nicole Kidman and others doing videos for Vanity Fair about how yummy live insects are. I don't know where the animal rights people are, but you know, they're now pushing that as well.
0: I don't understand it. I, uh, I saw an interesting tweet by our friend, Dr. Patrick Moore, the co-founder of Greenpeace, who's become a bit of a dissident. He points out that cows eat things that people don't. Uh, I mean, obviously, people don't eat grass. There's things with a certain amount of cellulose in them that cows for tummies can digest that we can't. So it's not like cows are, are doing, you know, are, are competing that we should be eating the vegetables that the cows are. I mean, it, I think that there's just no common sense here. Cows and meat are so closely associated with human humanity since the dawn of civilization. Um, as any dentist will tell you, our teeth are called canines because yes. we are built to be carnivores. The jaw of a human is the jaw of a carnivore if you want to get right down to evolution or you know, what is our purpose? I'm not even quoting the Bible of, you know, uh, man's dominion over the animals. I'm trying to make sense of this because I don't think there's a scientific case for it. I find it very odd. Is there an emotional reason? Is there a religious or superstitious reason? Do they really think it's the right thing, Mark? How can you actually say, eat poop, eat bugs, print meat, don't eat meat? why would they say something that seems actually diabolical is like if they were answering deeply honestly what would they say their real motivation is
2: well first of all it's a climate emergency uh that's always the motivation for everything for all of this social change in other words if we don't act john kerry today said we had nine years left to save the planet that is what's driving all of this now That's on one hand, that's an ideology slash disguised as science. On the other, interestingly enough, Bill Gates is now the largest farm owner in America. So you start wondering, and you heard reports earlier, years ago, of of, uh, Soros buying up coal plants that were going offline. And the theory at the time was maybe he was buying coal plants in order, you know, once they're all shut down, he'll have a monopoly once they're needed, if wind and solar are mandated and fail as backups. So part of it is, I think it's just an ideology of central planning. And they're always looking for justifications. And the COVID lockdowns have been a great one, as we've seen the last year. But the climate is an enduring one. And I'm sure COVID will be, too. But it's an enduring one of what their natural instinct is. They they don't like the idea, the messiness of human freedom and living. They want to put us all in cities. They want to pack us in. They want to have us own nothing. Uh, And they want us to regulate literally every aspect of our lives. And we're seeing this now. One quick classic example, COVID climate. Bill Gates wants to buy it and he brags in, in his book. Uh, he, I shouldn't say he brags, but he he confesses that he he's the worst spokesman for this. And he took a private jet to the UN Paris Agreement, all this stuff. But he's still buying, bidding for the world's largest private jet transport company for he and his billionaire buddies, number one. And number two, on the climate front, you have climate activists saying you can't fly unless it's morally justifiable on a cli- in a climate emergency. So this is where we are. This is, you know, the George Orwell's, you want to see the future of the, of the human race? It's a boot stamped on their face. And this is it. This is how it comes out. It's that central planning, ideological instinct. And they need the scare, COVID climate, whatever the scare is. That's the simplest answer. And they think it's an arrogance of just planning. They want people to eat this. You have the people in Senegal. They don't have to go anywhere. We'll print a meat. They can drink the poop water. We've got that handled. We're going to work on this next. We're going to manage the economy. We're going to manage energy. We're going to manage transportation. We're going to manage all the food you eat. We're going to manage, you know, whether you go to school, we're going to manage what kind of, uh, uh, you know, your thermostat set. it's just, it's an incredible centralized planning ideology that's just taken over and and basically running amok right now. Wow. Hey, I want to
0: ask you one last thing before you go. Thanks for your, your time today. And uh, it's just so bizarre to me. I. I I think it's gross, but Donald Trump is gone, and now you have John Kerry, exhumed to be the global warming ambassador. Uh, he had, he had a, two things to say in recent days. One is a, quite a precise statement that we have nine years left to save the planet, not yeah. 10 and not eight. It sounds very precise to say nine years. Um, there's been lots of predictions like that that have come and gone, um, that's one thing I'd be curious about your thoughts on. Another was, uh, he was asked how removing America from the Paris agreement of the United Nations in any way changed what America could do for climate. And he admitted really nothing other than it looked bad. but no actual yeah. changes. In fact, America reduced its uh, carbon footprint largely due to fracking. What are your thoughts on John Kerry? as a global climate diplomat, is just is that just one big PR exercise? Is he actually going to negotiate any binding deals or is this just, I don't know, some way for Joe Biden to get Kerry out of the country and to say,
2: look, he's doing important stuff? Yeah, no, I don't think the threat is from John Kerry at all. John Kerry, he believes that he, he, he is morally justified to be a climate fear promoter, but fly a private jet. The best summary of John Kerry's entire... Uh, career was by a congressman whose name fails me at the moment, but he's a senator, who said, this is John Kerry's opportunity as Biden's climate envoy to travel around luxury European hotels and, and negotiate bad deals for America. And that's literally what John Kerry's is going to do. He's not the threat so much as the whole ideology that's taken over the Biden administration of demonizing energy and reducing our emissions and committing us away from America first, to a uh, globalist agenda again, and that's where we're headed right now. Yeah. So, in terms of nine years, he was trying to claim that twelve years, uh, the, the UN was given some deadline a few years back, three years ago to be precise, about what their mission target was. And John Kerry misread it. Even Bjorn Lomborg is making fun of John Kerry today for saying that. But of course, we know we, you know, we've shown at Climate Depot. Tipping points go back to 1864 on the Earth. And we've had them down to minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years. They always pass. We always get new ones. um, And it's just such nonsense. But Kerry at least was honest, as you mentioned, Ezra. He admitted the UN Paris Agreement has had no impact. In fact, at Climate Depot today, I have the chart. Every United Nations climate treaty going back to the 90s has only seen skyrocketing emissions. And every United Nations treaty uh, has always been declared as a planet-saving treaty, even though it's done the exact opposite of what it intended. In other words, emissions, trying to control CO2 emissions, they've gone and continue to skyrocket around the world, except for the United States, which has led the world and reducing them through innovation, which those days will be coming to an end. Yeah.
0: Well, listen, it's great to talk with you. I'm sorry I was so squeamish talking about some of those bizarre lifestyle changes proposed by Bill Gates, but uh, I'm afraid, and I'm Depressed to say, we'll be hearing a lot more of, eat insects, eat poop in the months and years ahead. It's a crazy world we live in, and I'm so glad you're out there with ClimateDepot.com. Thanks very much for being with us today. Thank you, Ezra. Appreciate it. Right, One of our favorite guys, Mark Morano from ClimateDepot.com. Stay with us, Marano. Welcome back on my show last night. Jer writes, interesting how the most draconian lockdown countries in the world are commonwealth countries, including Canada. I think Toronto is the most lockdown city in uh, North America. I'd have to check other cities, but I, I actually think it's the worst. New York City might be on par. But um, the crazy thing about that is that Ontario actually has the lowest rate of the virus in Canada, other than the very small population Atlantic provinces. So it's completely a political decision. D. H. H. D. writes, they even show violence to threaten people who won't comply. You're talking about that home office video. I think that's a form of lockdown pornography. Uh, and I think there's certain people who find it very erotic, the idea of smashing skulls. By whom? By, of criminals? Of terrorists? No, of ordinary citizens living life. Paul writes, all the churches need to be opening. It's a disgrace that they're not doing so. You're right. I'm so proud of this church in Edmonton. And um, after talking to that lawyer last night, we've decided to send uh, a bunch of reporters to cover the church on Sunday morning. We'll let you know how it goes. That's our show for today. What a busy week it's been. This weekend's going to be even busier. Until Monday, keep watching our YouTube videos. And on behalf of all of us here, to you at home, keep fighting for freedom. Good night.